Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Kat Elizabeth. I had so much fun chatting with her. We talk about how she started her business, tips for creating a personal brand, how to be more comfortable in front of a camera, and how she met her boyfriend on Tinder. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Kat, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to know about your story, different career changes you've had. How did you get to the place you're at right now? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, I have not exactly had a, a straight path. Like it hasn't just been like the straight and narrow where I figured out what I wanted to do and then just went out and did it. I mean, like, I guess the first phase of my life was getting exactly what I wanted. Like I was, so I was always into dancing and singing and acting. And when I was about, I think I was 14, when I saw my first Broadway show and I was like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. And so that is what I spent the next like five years working on, like just training really hard and doing um, amateur and pro-am musicals. And then I started auditioning and I landed my very first professional like musical, which was like not what I expected. I went to the audition for experience and was just kind of like, cool, like I'm going to learn from this. And then like six months and five auditions later, I'd been offered a role in like this original cast of, of Josie Boys in Australia. And I'm like, okay, what is my life? This is crazy. And I honestly at, you know, tw- I think I was 22. I was like, I've, this is it. Like I've achieved my dream. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> but then it was like after a few weeks after opening night that it kind of like the reality hit me. And I was like, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I'm not very happy. I'm already getting bored. Like I, as a creative person, like you think that, well, to be an actor is the most creative thing you can do, but in musical theater, like you have a contract that goes for like 12 or 14 months. You do the exact same performance eight times a week for that year. So it wasn't creative (laughs) after the rehearsal period. And I, yeah, I started to really question everything. Like I was definitely, I was very unhappy. I started struggling with anxiety and depression. And so I ended up doing like long story short, I did musical theater for a few, few years full time and then got to this point where I had to turn down my next contract. Cause I was like, I'm not happy. This doesn't make sense for me to keep doing this. I'm taking a position in this cast where like someone else 
would be better doing it because they're actually going to want to be there. Like I felt selfish taking up that spot. And then that's kind of when everything fell apart and I had to kind of reinvent my entire life because I honestly had nothing else planned. Like I didn't have any backup plans. I hadn't gone to university. I just did acting and I had nothing. And that's when my, my relationship fell apart. I was married at the time. Um, I ended up in hospital, really sick. Like everything that could have gone wrong pretty much went wrong in, in a 12 month period. And at the time, obviously that was not enjoyable. Like it was terrifying and I thought I'd failed. And I was like, oh my gosh, at like 25, you've already peaked too, too soon. Like there is nothing else that you can do now. Like you've made too many mistakes. And thankfully I just, I don't know what happened, but sometimes when everything falls away, like that's when you're able to get some clarity on what you're supposed to do. And so while I was in a really dark place, I actually had an idea for this character and this like show that I wanted to create. And I ended up spending like the next 12 months, like putting together this live show. And um, like it was started as like a corporate show, like that you like perform at like, I don't know, like, what do you call it? Like (laughs) conferences and things for like, corporate events um but then it ended up evolving into a cabaret show which was a ticketed event and like it that was a whole different story altogether but essentially it's like as much as I had no idea what I was doing at at the time it led me to so so much so many opportunities and so much knowledge about myself and what actually lights me up which is then when I discovered that I was into marketing and, um, and I loved the writing and the directing and everything. So I kind of started on this new path where I was exploring the marketing and advertising, you know, route. And I got a job in that and then became a freelancer and I got a job in real estate. And I was just like, honestly trying to pay the bills and figure out what to do with my life. And it just, it didn't make any sense at the time, but within a few years of freelancing as a copywriter and um, eventually I launched my YouTube channel that's when I it all kind of started to click where I was like I love teaching people like I love coaching I love being able to build a platform for myself where I can help other people and, and share my story whereas in the past I always thought to have a platform and to have a voice I needed to be a famous actor like because that's what I'd always seen like I was like acting is going to be the way that I have a platform and I can change the world and then I was like oh maybe there's a way of changing the world without having to be famous like without being an actor and someone giving you a role and that YouTube channel which I launched like it's coming up to two and a half years ago has like it's led me to the business that I have today. It's like, it's been like a huge part of my own personal branding journey. It's opened up so many doors, led me to create courses and coaching programs. And it's landed me interviews like on the news and all of this crazy stuff where like, if I didn't just like one day go, Oh, maybe I should start a YouTube channel and none of it would have happened. So yeah, like long story short, like nothing made sense at the time when I was doing it. And I'm sure like my family and friends were like, what is wrong with Kat? Like she is clearly confused. She clearly must have like ADHD because she keeps changing jobs and careers and all of this. But eventually it all kind of fell into place and all came together and made sense. And I finally feel like I'm like living out my purpose and doing all the things that I love doing and I get to get paid to do it as well which is kind of the the big (laughs) piece of the puzzle because it's one thing to find what you love but if you have no time to do it because you're stuck in a day job then that can be really frustrating so that is a very (laughs) long-winded story of how I got here today (laughs) 
And I would love to go back to your quarter life crisis. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so let's go back there. Yep. What helped you through that? Like, what was that like? Like, how'd you get through that? Oh my goodness. I mean, time was part of it. Having a bit of patience to know that like, sometimes you can't have immediate answers. And I had to just like, learn to feel the feelings, which is not a thing. I think a lot of us like are really good at just pushing through and like, I need to take action. But for a while there, I just had to mourn the the life that I'd lost because I really believed that where I was heading with my partner and with the job that I, you know, like my dream job, I was like, I've made it. And yet none of that stuff ended up coming through like to the next phase of my life. Um, I think it was, I had to really disconnect from people that made me feel like crap, which was a lot of people. Like, so when I decided to quit musical theater, I had, you know, some people, even someone who was a mentor of mine, like tell me I was nuts. And they were like, you have destroyed your career. You'll never work again. Like, what are you doing? And that was tough because I really looked up to them and respected them. But I was like, my mental health is more important. Like I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not, I'm literally losing the will to live. And I don't think that is worth like, you know, hanging onto a contract for like, it's just not. So yeah, I really kind of cut out a lot of people from my life during that time. Cause I had to really create a safe space to just process things. And, and I was feeling a lot of humiliation and shame around like publicly giving up something that looked amazing and like publicly failing at, you know, marriage and my career and my health, like everything fell apart at once. So I, I kind of had a much smaller inner circle then. And I really relied on my family mostly to help me get through and my very closest friend. But besides that, it was like, yeah, I wasn't super social. It wasn't necessarily like a fun time of exploration. Like it wasn't like an eat, pray, love moment where I was just like, you know what? I'm just reinventing myself. No, I was like on the couch, like crying a lot of the time. But then I guess that the number one thing that saved me was finding a new purpose. So when I had the idea for the show and that was all about just like connecting back to what, what I actually loved about performing. So I'd lost a lot of the joy because of the contract, because it was like, it became the way I was paying the bills. But originally I did acting and singing and dancing because I just loved it. Like that was, it was my number one like passion in life. And so starting to create this show reconnected me to that joy and that creativity that I'd lost for a while. And then suddenly I was in this like mode of creating a show and like casting people and coming up with like songs and designing costumes and all this crazy stuff. And I think being able to pour that, kind of negative energy because a lot of the show like the cabaret version of the show ended up kind of being therapeutic where I wrote the show around a lot of heartbreak and like some toxic relationships that I went through after the breakup and I just channeled it all into the show and I let all of that anger and frustration out in a creative way that people could enjoy it and it was amazing once it was over I didn't feel like the anger was all gone and the frustration. And I was just like, okay, I think I've processed this. Like we can move on now. Um, so yeah, I think connecting back to what you love and really being careful about who you let into your life. Cause you are so vulnerable during something like that, that anyone could just like knock you over really easily because <laughs> you're so fragile. So um, yeah, it's just not worth keeping toxic people around people that don't truly understand you or don't truly care. Like they're really out for themselves. Um, I think that's it. And what was your introduction into marketing and branding? 
it was kind of a weird one. So like, I mean, one part of it was marketing the show that I wrote because I was doing literally <laughs> everything, which was not smart. Like if I'd known the kind of work it would have involved, like I probably would have done it differently, but it was too late. So I actually loved marketing the show so much, like almost more than performing in it. And that was weird. Cause I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is meant to be about me performing, but this marketing thing is really fun and developing a brand and a voice for the character. And I was kind of using her voice in the marketing. And then also during that time I needed a job, any job. And my mom had a real estate agency um, well, she was part of like a real estate team and they had like, they were losing their ad administration person. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it like temporarily. And that role ended up turning into a marketing role. And I ended up working there, I think for about 18 months. And again, like I was like, I don't want to stay in real estate. <laughs> no offense, mom. Um, but the actual marketing part again was really fun, but it was when I met my, my now partner, um, my boyfriend, who was in marketing, but like as a, um, he was a designer and developer. So he did like branding and, and websites and things. That's when I started to see that the skills that I had, which is more around copywriting and the words and the brand strategy actually fit really well with his skill set. And we started like a little mini agency together. And um, I ended up getting a job in an ad agency just to kind of test it out and see if I knew what I was doing. Because again, I, like, it was so much imposter syndrome because I hadn't studied it officially. Like I just did lots of online courses. And I was like, maybe I should get a real job in advertising and just see if I'm actually any good at this. And so I did that for six months and was like, no, I definitely, I can definitely do this, but I hate the environment. Like I really wanted to be freelance. Um, and so I quit. And then when I had a couple of freelance clients and, and then kind of like, yeah, five years later, I'm like, Oh, I'm still doing this full time. Like what, <laughs> what happened? Like, that's not how I'd planned at all for my life to go. And I never really saw myself as someone that was necessarily going to be self-employed or anything, but it just kind of happened magically. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then that was kind of like the copywriting was the main part of what I was doing. But once I started doing my YouTube channel and exploring personal branding is where I realized that my sort of like the real passion wasn't just in the writing, but in like helping people develop their own brands and become the face of their own business or career. Um, and so that's kind of, yeah, that's the weird little path that led me to this. And how'd you meet your partner? <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> so he's actually Italian. And he had moved to Australia a couple of years before we met um, to like learn the language and get a job here. And then um, I was living on the Gold Coast in Australia and he was living in Brisbane and he was surfing on the Gold Coast one day because like they're slightly too far apart for you to be matched. But when he was surfing on the Gold Coast, we actually matched up and said that we would go on a date <laughs> next time I was in Brisbane. And he was a little bit like, yeah, sure, sure. Like people say that, but will, but will we? And I actually like followed through. And the next time I was going to Brisbane, which I think was a few weeks later, I was like, Hey, I'm going up there. Like, do you want to meet up? And he's like, Oh, okay. And yeah, we ended up having a lunch that went for like five hours. Um, and he asked if I wanted to do dinner as well, but I actually had to like go home to the Gold Coast because I had to get up at like four the next morning or something stupid for my show. <laughs> um, and yeah, but then the rest was kind of history, but it was very, like, we had no expectations. We were both feeling very disappointed with the dating scene. I'd had some really, really bad experiences and I was literally, I deleted Tinder the night before I met him because I'd had such a bad experience the day before. 
but and I was going to cancel the date with him but then when he messaged me in the morning it was very sweet and like just confirming that we're meeting and he used like really nice emojis and I was like damn you're too nice like I can't cancel so thank goodness he confirmed so sweetly because this whole thing would have happened like we've we've been together now nearly six years so mm-hmm. here you go tinder can work but I yeah I know we're the exception like I know, I know <laughs> doesn't often work the way it did for us well were you surprised that worked so well uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah especially since we just had so many disappointing like dates and just meeting up with people and it just felt like no one was on the same wavelength as us like he's very much like me very driven and creative and not sort of like not happy settling for anything whereas a lot of people in Queensland were just so chilled and are happy to just go out you know, drinking all the time and just like not do much with their lives. And so I was like, is there anyone that's going to understand me? And like, what are the chances that person is going to be on Tinder? Like, let's be honest, it's not likely. (laughs) So when it did work out, I was like, whoa, like that's crazy. But it just felt like Tinder was the, it was like the tool that just happened to connect us. I was like, we were clearly meant to meet. Like we are clearly meant to be together maybe somehow like even if it wasn't tinder that would have happened anyway i don't know um but i'm grateful for tinder thanks tinder (laughs) (laughs) so cool and when you were starting your youtube channel did you know you were going to go into branding into marketing what was your first video like i was going with it like literally so i read a gary vaynerchuk book called crushing it where he talks about personal branding and social media. And he's like, you need to build your own platform. And I was like, right. Okay, Gary, I'm going to build a platform. Like not really knowing where it was going to take me. I just knew I needed one. I think this was about six months before I launched the channel. Cause then I spent six months like studying YouTube and trying to figure out how it works and all of that. But I launched the channel to be for other actors because that was what I was doing. I was like, why would, why would I talk about copywriting? Like it didn't enter my mind as even an option. I was like, I know the most about acting and I can share my story and hopefully help other actors because the big thing about acting is that like, if you go to acting school, drama school, they teach you how to act, but they don't teach you about the business. They don't teach you about mindset usually. And the business and the mindset for, you know, an, a long, a long lived acting career, like that is the actual key. It's very little about talent and more about like how you're going to be strategic with your career and how you're going to handle rejection. So I was really hoping to just like, create a place where I could share that kind of real talk with other actors and try and help them through that because I'd certainly dealt with, with all of the things, but then I don't know. I think it was about a year or 18 months into it that I was like, Hmm, not really feeling the acting thing anymore. Like it's funny because all the acting videos are still there and I still have like tons of actors finding me for these videos, but I just didn't see that that, I don't know. I didn't see myself building a business around helping actors. And what I really started to understand is like the power of YouTube is that if you do have a business, it is an incredible way of, you know, building an audience, generating leads, like attracting your dream client that then want to work with you. So I had to start making some adjustments to the channel to start moving it in a different direction um, because I didn't actually have a service or a product to give to actors to help them. It was just like kind of giving out free information and I'll never take that away. Like I'm always like, I'm thrilled that my videos have helped so many people, but now I'm kind of using the channel more to attract 
my people that want to work with me in other ways. Um, so yeah, the strategy didn't kick in until very late in the game, like a hundred videos in, I would say, which is a lot. Um, but I learned so much about YouTube and creating videos and my presentation style and all of that in the process that it was, it was a worthy experiment. Um, but I now try and teach my own clients to figure out their end game sooner so that they don't necessarily waste, not waste, but like spend 18 months creating, like, you know, spending thousands of hours creating videos that don't lead anywhere. Cause it's a lot of work to, to be on YouTube and to do it well. So if you're not actually using that to generate leads, like build an email list, then it, you know, it, it could be seen as a waste of time. And do you think now is like, a good time to start on YouTube? Do you think it's too late right now or? It's honestly at the, well, I don't want to say it's never too late because someone might be listening to this 10 years in the future and they're like, what's YouTube? <laughs> but as long as YouTube exists, it's not too late. There is still ways like you need to understand the platform. It's not as easy to like just put out a video and end up with thousands and thousands of followers. Like if you'd started five years ago, it was a lot quicker to grow a channel. But if you understand how the algorithm works, how search engines work, and you can optimize your videos so that when people are searching for something, your videos actually pop up as like a recommendation, then you can absolutely grow. Like, it's so funny. One of my videos that it was already doing well before COVID, but it was how to look better on FaceTime. And I just like, cause I did like videos on camera confidence. I'm like, I'll do that. It looks like it's a popular topic. So it already had thousands of views, but it's now at like 56,000 views. As soon as COVID hit and everyone had to be on FaceTime, they started Googling like, how do I look better on FaceTime? And because my video, it's not just ranking on YouTube, like ranking means like showing up in the first like few results. It's literally the top of the first page of Google for how to look better on FaceTime. So tons and tons of traffic is, is being sent to my video. And so that's just proof. Like my, my channel wasn't, I didn't have tons and tons of subscribers. Like I didn't have heaps of traction before I posted that video. Like I still have quite a small channel. And when you look at the you know big scheme of things and yet I could get that to the first page of Google and, and have people find me. So it's definitely doable, but don't think it's just going to happen because you have good charisma and camera presence like unfortunately it's yeah there's a like that's part of it but you need actual strategy and you need to understand the technical side of things as well and how often do you post on youtube well in theory <laughs> I post once a week but i've had quite a few breaks recently i got very i think it happened to a lot of people during covid and everything there was a bit of a motivation went away, but also I'd launched some of my own like paid, like I launched a membership um, and things like that. And I was really careful to make sure I was looking after my paying members and clients and everything. And it just got too much. Like the business was actually growing faster than I could keep up with it. So YouTube was unfortunately one of the first things that I bumped off my to-do list back on track. Now though, I just was doing like a batch record yesterday. Um, so I will be go back to bringing them out weekly. And I, I generally recommend, that if you can, if you really do want to grow and build that momentum, weekly is great. But even like if it's high quality, you could do two a month or one a month. And if it's consistent and people love your videos, you can still grow. And if you had to start your YouTube channel all over today, what would you do differently? I mean, and what would you focus on? Yeah. I mean, I think I would definitely study the, like the whole search engine optimization thing quicker. Like I put out a ton of videos 
that were like really high quality and people really enjoyed, but not enough people were finding. I feel like that's the only real thing I'd do differently because like putting out those videos and not knowing where I was going helped me figure out what to do next. So, you know, I don't think, yeah, there's no way around that. But I do think I could have grown my channel a lot faster if I had studied YouTube properly um, and was making sure that every single video was optimized for search. Like it kind of pains me to think like how many videos I put out without doing that where like my channel could probably be five times bigger today if I'd done that. But you know, it's like, it's all a learning experience. And now I teach my clients not to make the same mistake. So it's all good. And do you have any tools you use to make sure that's optimized? Um, yeah, I mean, I use a couple of things. So I have, um, there's a software, it's not even a software, it's like a website called Keywords Everywhere, which is like, it's really cheap. Um, and it just helps, it shows you the search volume. So like how many people are searching for certain keywords every single month. Um, and that just helps you see how popular something is like, and if, and so if no one is searching for it, then it's probably not a good video topic. Like people aren't necessarily interested in it or they won't find it. Um, so that's a really good one. And I also use TubeBuddy. Um, which is like a plugin for YouTube that again, you can do some keyword research and see like how, if you search for a certain um, keyword, like, so a keyword could just be like baking, but it could be like how to bake a, a chocolate cake. Um, you can see if you type that in, TubeBuddy will tell you how many results show up for that keyword. And if you can see that there are already millions of results, that means it's really competitive. And again, with a smaller channel, you might not want to go for that keyword you want to might find something like more specific like how to make a flourless gluten-free chocolate cake might be a little more easy to rank for um so those are the main things that i do and then obviously just like recording and editing and that kind of stuff but as far as getting found it's more about that and then also the way you design your thumbnails too like your um like the little photos that people see like as the preview for your video it's a really huge element of like people deciding whether they're going to click on your video or not um, so that's like, just like whether it's Canva or like a design software, like, um, creative cloud, um, it doesn't really matter as long as you follow the right kind of formula for making sure they look very enticing and clickable. And do you keep your thumbnails all consistent? So they all look the same or do you keep them different? <laughs> um, I'm one of those people, like I like to be my own guinea pig. So I'm constantly changing them and experimenting to see like, does this one work better? Does this one look better? And because of that, if you look back through, like I've got there are like seasons of how my, my thumbnails look where like a whole bunch look the same, but then they change quite dramatically in theory, like it would be much better to have them all the same. But I guess because I've, like, I've, I think I've put out like 125 videos, like that's a lot of, that's a fairly long time and a lot of videos to never change the thumbnails. So one day when I have enough money, I'll just like hire someone and be like, just redesign all of them for me. <laughs> but in the meantime, I kind of like my brand now, I only really kind of locked in the brand that I have today. Like it launched officially last September after a few different sort of like iterations. So really I've only had like six months with this existing brand identity. And so I try and make sure at least everything's consistent with, with what I have on my website. And what are your tips for being more comfortable in front of a camera? Record a lot of videos. Like there is actually no way around it. I mean, a couple of things is like really keep in mind that you need to be talking to one person 
a lot of people kind of turn on the camera and they feel like they're presenting to an audience and like, yes, technically a lot of different people are watching, but the experience is one-on-one. So if I'm watching a video, I feel like you're just talking to me if that's how you act. So you do need to sort of treat it like, so it's a little bit more intimate, a little bit more casual and conversational and pretend that it's just like a one-sided conversation. Like the other person just happens to not be speaking, but they are part of the conversation, if that makes sense. Um, So that can help. So like sometimes it's nice to just like visualize, you might visualize your ideal client. You might visualize your best friend, but trying to get used to talking to that one person. I think you also want to look good as in feel good in how you look. Um, So if you're feeling really self-conscious and like you're wearing something that doesn't work for you, you're hating your hair that day, like do something about it because you do need to be confident. And if you're kind of apologizing silently for how you look, we're going to sense that as well. But ultimately, like even as an actor, like it's so funny because I'd been on stage and camera like my whole life. But when I sat down to do my first YouTube video, I was terrified because you rarely just talk like at the camera directly down the lens and it's your script and it's just you. Like I'm used to playing characters, not being just me. It's a way more vulnerable experience. So you can kind of see from, if you go to my YouTube channel and you go to uh, like sort my videos from like oldest to newest, you can see that, I was a little bit more stiff and awkward. I used to have to cut out so many ums in my edit. Like every three seconds I'd say, um, um, and that was a sign for me that I wasn't confident in what I was saying. So these days, obviously I've got a lot of practice under my belt. So I'm a lot more confident. Um, and we still say, um, I just said it then, but I think having, like you, you're going to learn what kind of script format works best for you. If you're someone that really just wants to kind of, say it word for word or if you're just going to have bullet points or maybe you just completely improvise but you have to find something that where you're like I know what I'm saying it's all good and then being confident enough to like stop talking as well because sometimes like when I am feeling less confident I'm like I'll just say a bit more I'll just say a bit more and then when I go to edit it I'm like oh god like shut up cat like (laughs) you're talking too much this video is very long Um, but yeah, so I think that the ultimate is just like, keep recording and put them out there as well. Like you don't actually get the same experience just from recording the video. It's the act of publishing them and being okay with people seeing them that also starts to just like wear down your resistance. So yeah, I think it's kind of cheating if you just do like lots of practice records and then you never share it with the world like you need to be able to share the imperfect videos and they're all imperfect like you'll never be perfect you'll always see something to improve Um, so if you can really focus on the video just being a value to somebody like and that really helped me was like okay one person learns something from this it helps change their way like their life in even a really small way then i've done my job so if you kind of put it back onto that and make it about offering value and being generous it's better than if you're like, oh, how do I look? I hope people think I look good, you know, because then it's all about you. It's all about your ego. And who do you think should have a personal brand? Do you think everyone should have a personal brand? It's really getting to the point where if you don't have one, you're at a disadvantage. So it doesn't matter if you're going to climb a career ladder or if, you know, you want to have a side hustle or you want to have your own business. People are using Google a lot more these days to look up individuals and to see what you can bring to the table. And so you'll probably find that 
you know, where people used to just go off your CV or, you know, your resume and your cover letter and an interview. If, if you got an interview now, they are going to social media, they're Googling you, they're saying like, what are other accolades? Like have they been mentioned in the media? Like what kind of value can they bring to the table? What's their personality like? There's just so much more to it. So if other people have put work into their personal brand and you haven't, you might just get kind of like brushed over. Um, so I do think that everyone should be thinking about it. It's not to say that everyone needs to build an audience. Like a personal brand is not the same as having a big audience. Like that can go along with having a, a personal brand. If you want to have like a profitable personal brand, then building an audience is part of it. But being intentional about your personal brand is less about your audience and more about how you're perceived by people. So like what people are finding when they Google you. And that's something that I think we can all do a bit of work on. <laughs> and when you want to start branding yourself, what things should you start to think of? What mistakes do you see people doing? So again, like it's kind of what I was saying about the YouTube channel, begin, begin with the end in mind. So you really want to think like, what, where do I want to take my career or my business? Like what, what are the kinds of people that I want to employ me or the people that I want to have as customers or clients? Because we really need to think about how we're coming across to them. So if it is that you're climbing the career ladder, you're thinking, okay, what, what's the dream company that I want to work for? And what's that ultimate role that I would love to land, at least at this point in time, knowing that it will change in time. But don't be thinking about the next job that you're going to get because we all have to start somewhere. Honestly, be thinking about building a brand that's going to appeal to the CEO for when you are up for that dream position. And so that's going to be things like making sure you, you, know, you dress a certain way that really reflects your own self-worth and the kind of role that you want to have. It might be making sure you do have some nicer photos of yourself on social media. Like if you want to have some sort of public presence, it's a good idea to like get a couple of you know, branding shots so that you look really professional without looking, you know, because like, there's usually like selfies and there's like the really awkward headshot, like the really stiff headshot. I think the, the happy medium is like a branding shot where you look, you look your best, you're all relaxed. It looks more candid, but you're also at, at you know, your best self <laughs> in those photos. And I think really Googling yourself, as, that, as weird as that sounds, and starting to look at what is actually popping up um, and seeing if you need to be removed, like hiding anything from the public that could maybe reflect badly on you. And then seeing, okay, are there opportunities for me to pop up in search in a better way, maybe because by guest blogging or speaking on a panel and have other people mention you in articles and on videos and things like that so that that first page of results is positive. Um, and not just like people finding, you know, selfies of you out drinking. <laughs> um, and if that is like the kind of social media profile you want to have, then, you know, and you are wanting to climb a career ladder or build a business, make that a private profile and consider having, you know, like either just making it completely private or also having your public facing profile where you talk more about the things that you're interested in and something connected to your career or to your business. So those are just a, a few things, but yeah, the first thing to do, I would say is like find out what people are able to see about you so that you can start doing some damage control if you need to. Awesome. And what is something lighting you up right now? Honestly, my business, like it's, I never thought I would be so excited about the work I do if it wasn't acting. Um, so that has been a really cool thing because I, I was really worried that like, am I going to be the person that's like unhappy unless she's getting paid to act? And I have now figured out that no, like 
I love getting paid to act. I also love acting for free, but I love what I do every single day because I get to work with incredible people. I'm helping other people achieve their dreams and build their businesses and their brands. And when someone else like kicks a goal because, you know, like they're getting a, a step closer to creating their dream life, like I celebrate with them and I feel like that's a win for me too. So I'm like, yes, like, this is the point. This wasn't about me. This is about trying to make sure everyone has this opportunity to do whatever they want. So yeah, it's um a concept. It's good because I work very long and hard. <laughs> so if I didn't enjoy what I was doing, it would be a problem. Like I would struggle to wake up in the morning. Um, but even though I'm often tired, I'm still really excited to wake up each morning. Awesome. And what is something that most people don't know about you? Um, oh. <laughs> There's a, probably a few things. I mean, something odd is that I'm terrified of karaoke, even though I'm a singer. It just does not, I don't agree with the whole process. <laughs> um yeah so that's a big one and that like my I don't talk about it as much now but like my one of my first um acting okay I'm gonna say acting jobs one of my first jobs that helped me become an actor so like I tell everyone about the fact that I used to play Marilyn Monroe at Warner Brothers Movie World but in order for me to get that job I had to work there for like six months operating the rides um, and just like checking people in to get on a roller coaster. And I very briefly tried to be the Tasmanian devil, like one of the character suits. And that's when I realized just how bad my claustrophobia was. So I tried to put on the suit and I got tangled inside of the harness that like puts this giant heavy suit on top of you. And I started having an anxiety attack and I was like, no, like what am I doing with my life? So um, yeah, like I, I, tr I pretend that like my first acting gig was playing Marilyn, but it's not true. It was definitely not that glamorous. <laughs> and what is something that motivates you? the thought that I could have a life of freedom. So getting to travel wherever I want. And like, if I want to treat myself, not being like, Oh, I can't afford it. Like I really want to be able to just do whatever lights me up whenever and not always have to work for it. And yeah, go on adventures with my partner. And like, we've got family in Italy and family in Australia and now we're in Canada. So money is part of that because it's really expensive to travel and so I just, yeah, I want to be that person that can just hop on a plane and go absolutely anywhere and just like live my best life. So, yeah. And what were your 20s like? I mean, a bit weird. <laughs> I just feel, I don't want to say that I wasted them because I learned so much from them but it really felt like I had training wheels on and it was like the, the practice run. So it was just all about making so many mistakes, questioning myself, like being riddled with self-doubt and anxiety and depression for some of it, um, wasting a crap load of money um, on stuff that I did not need. And yeah, finally, I think hitting like 28, 29 and 30 and being like, oh, okay, I think I'm ready to like... <sighs> start living properly now so yeah it's a bit of a blur of 10 years and it's not that I think a lot of people have 20s where they just like drink and do drugs and like that was definitely not me like I was very still career focused and everything but just not happy not not present 
I think that's the, the number one thing in my 20s. I was always looking into the future, wishing my time away. Whereas now I'm like, oh no, it's going so fast. I need to, I need to enjoy this while it's here because it's not going to last. If you could go back in time and give your 20 year old self any advice, what would you tell her? Mm. Yeah, stop listening to other people and just do the thing that you want to do. Like maybe, maybe I would have launched a business 10 years earlier, um, but I just had it in my head that, you know, this is the way you do things. And yeah, I let other people's opinions of me and of life just like influence so much of what I did. I really didn't trust my instincts the way I do now. So I think that's, yeah, if I just trusted my instincts, I'm sure <laughs> it would have been a very different time of my life. And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. It was very thorough. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. I guess I would just say that I think when we're one thing that I have learned, like one thing that I really realized too late is that in your twenties, especially the earlier on in your twenties, <laughs> you really feel like you have everything figured out and that there is like a, a, you have this plan for your life. And I just like want to encourage you to trust that like sometimes there's a better plan that you don't know about yet. And if, if like the universe is like really pushing back and you feel like, Oh my God, it's not working. Let go and see what happens. Um, because I, that's essentially what happened is like, I've now let go of all these things that I thought I was supposed to do with my life. And my life is so much better now, like so much happier. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was trying to control my life, which as we've probably seen, like during COVID, like control is an illusion. Like we're never in control. Um, I'm robbing myself of all of this freedom and opportunity and just the ability to be present and appreciate what I have because I'm all I'm thinking about is what I don't have yet. So yeah, appreciate what you do have and just know that like the universe probably has a way cooler plan for your life than you do. So sometimes you just need to let go. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's nice to just have a chat about everything. <laughs> Yeah, I love doing this. I love talking to people all over the world. So much. Yeah, fun. you're very good. Like you're very good at asking the right questions and listening. I think your your podcast is going to go very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people connect with you? Uh, so the best place would be over on Instagram at I am Cat Elizabeth and my website personalbrandingproject.co, which just has like links to all of the other things. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.